0: Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina.
1: Welcome to Voices for Care Advocacy. I'm so happy to be here again with Rubina Chaudry, my co-host, who um, had a previous engagement on our last show, and our guest today is Paula, who uh, sat in for Rubina last week. So I'm so glad that the three of us are here together today to discuss advocacy. So welcome, Anu. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, and thanks for letting me come back on the show. And Rubina, how are you doing today?
2: We missed you last week. We
3: did uh, well.
2: Thank you for uh, letting me uh, go to another important meeting. That uh, I did ask for permission, so thank you very much. And that's why <laughs> we have three of us. That's why we have three of us. Yes, we,
3: we've come full
1: circle. <laughs> you, we, you asked for permission. I'm so
3: glad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did. But um, I wanted to tell the listeners a little bit about Anu, uh, in case they don't remember from the last time she was a guest on the show, but Anu is an extremely extraordinary woman. Uh, Anu lost her vision in 1991, but never allowed that to define her or defeat her, and Anu That experience has fueled and admired and inspired you to help others, to motivate them, to empower them, to maximize their own potential and opportunities, to forge ahead to live in a meaningful and purposeful life. But before I ask you about that and how you've done that and used that, I did want to tell the listeners something really special, that you've been chosen to be part of a delegation for the CSW-64 at the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. Um, I don't know what CSW-64 stands for. Maybe you could tell our listeners, but that is certainly an extraordinary
3: accomplishment. Well, thank you. So, thanks for the introduction, and I'm happy to be back, as always, um, on your fabulous show. It's a very meaningful show, and so it's great to come on here and talk about important issues that impact our elders. The um, the CSW 64 is basically a commission on the status of women, and this is a... an annual conference that occurs, at, sorry, occurs happens at the United Nations in New York, and it's held around International Women's Day. And people from all over the world come together to talk about the issues, the important issues that impact women in all aspects of life. And so, um, It's going to be an amazing, amazing experience. And I was chosen through an organization that I volunteer with. We received a a call for delegates through another organization that we um, uh, are a member of. And so the long story, the the short story is is that I I applied for this opportunity and was selected. And um, I'll be happy to share more about that in a future show. But uh, thank you for uh, acknowledging that. We appreciate it.
1: We're so proud of you. We really, really are. And and Thank in you. that role as a as a woman who. Um, is empowered and impacts others, uh, and we and in that role as somebody who's also lost their vision as an adult woman, and um, works to help others. I'm sh- and we, you know, in this conversation about advocacy, I'm sure you've had to become an advocate for yourself, and in during that process, or as a result of that process, have helped other people learn how to advocate for themselves and for other people in their families. So can you tell us a little bit about about that journey or how you were able to forge ahead and become an advocate, some of the challenges or
3: obstacles you faced? Yeah, that's a loaded question, but sure, I'll do my best. Um, So we know that the meaning of an advocate is to have the ability to speak up for yourself, and things that are important to you. So I think I was an advocate from a child because I I had a I had a pretty big um pretty big voice um, as a child and and always spoke up for myself and always was one of those who defended my friends and if somebody was to ever say anything inappropriate i'd be I'd be right there, you know, trying to defend them and uh, make it right, and so I think that's something that advocacy piece has always been sort of um, part of my DNA I think having lost my vision and going through the process of just trying to figure things out. I, I think I was just pushed into it, you know. Um, part of it, like I said, is is who I am, but so, there are so many things that I didn't know about and I had to kind of just figure out through the system um, whether it was about... Advocating for um, education, um, getting the, the appropriate accommodations in the classroom, um, whether it was uh, learning uh, what services were available to me as a person with vision loss. It's just all those aspects of just. Um, reaching out to community services and sometimes, uh, oh, I have a good example of actually employment. See, back in the day, when I was still getting back into the workforce, after losing my vision, I worked with an employment agency who uh, where I had an employment counselor. And I would consider her kind of an advocate for me because she was uh, the one who marketed me uh, and supported me with those job applications. Sometimes they would speak to the employer on my behalf. But, I mean, as I developed my skills and, and education, I didn't need that support anymore. But in the beginning, I did. And so I depended on an, on an advocate for that, I would say, to some degree. But, um, but with regards to my own self, yeah, absolutely. I have had to advocate for myself mm-hmm. In different ways, like, for example, workplace accommodations, sometimes um, when you go into a, a workplace as a person with a disability, that environment is not set up for you, whether it's to do with uh, ensuring that the appropriate technology is in place or maybe the ergonomic um uh, setup is not right or not correct yeah. for you. So those types of things. Because um, there are some people who might say, oh, well, I'm just thankful I have a job. And they'll right. just be quiet and then they'll struggle and, and they're not very productive. And so, yes. Yeah. I I think people are
1: intimidated by the word advocacy or being an advocate to some degree. And I've Mm -hmm. always thought of it. Uh, I also um, spoke up for things from a very young age, uh, for situations as well as for myself. I I think it came from my family who always taught me that there are always people who have challenges greater than yours and you should speak up for them. But um, when people... it's talk to me about being an advocate because I've stepped into this space to speak out for elder citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell them that they really are an advocate and they've been an advocate for their entire, for their entire lives that people don't realize it when you when you call your insurance company or your wireless provider or, mm-hmm. or your doctor's office you're actually advocating for your need or for the end result that you're looking for whether it's an appoint an appointment or some adjustment on your bill or to receive your payment from your insurance company so I tell people they really are advocates and now they just have to use that 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 use that ability that they have to recognize it and own it and appreciate it and then if they have to advocate for their loved ones let's say for their care or what whatever Mm -hmm. the situation is that to draw on that experience so have you is that how you've helped other people uh, to learn about their own ability to advocate because of what you've had to go
3: through Absolutely, 100%. I mean, I speak about this uh, very thing, about the fact that we all have it in us to be strong advocates for ourselves. And I try to give them examples because sometimes it's easy for us to just forget that, oh yeah, I I did that and I did that and I did that. And, and so reminding my clients about how they have been advocates helps them to gain confidence and uh, advocate for themselves. Um, one of the key things that comes up for me with my clients is housing uh, trying to find affordable housing options, and so I have um, supported them in how to have those conversations with those key let's call them gatekeepers. Mm. so that um, they can um, be recognized. Because I think, I mean, there's such a, especially here in Vancouver, there is a major housing crisis. And um, for the average people as well, who don't even have any kind of physical challenges. And so when you're looking at people uh, with the population that I work with, uh, subsidized housing is, is very difficult to find. And mm. so it's not, unfortunately... We, don't, we, we just don't have the magic key that we can just give everybody that open and find them a home, but right. we can certainly give them the skills so that they are uh, confident enough to have those conversations with the key people they need to have the conversations with. Right. So, Rubina, yeah. you, have, mm-hmm. uh,
1: you have parents that are older and that are living a distance from you. I'm sure you've encountered situations or you, you have to take on the role as an advocate. How do you feel that, that you've been able to embrace that role and been effective in that role?
2: Uh, you know, we, you're both so right that we have to advocate every, every step of the way. And definitely, I have taken the role of an advocate for my parents. And, uh, you know, it just uh, means diligence, being patient, and, uh, and just, uh, just helping them, and helping those who help them. And I recently attended uh, a conference where uh, a definition of advocacy was shared, and I'd like to share that with you and uh, with you both. And that was that uh, that education comes before advocacy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know so far we're talking about advocacy, but I think there's a there's a step before that that can be done more proactively, and and many organizations are doing that, you know, uh, okay. more proactively, more in a non-confrontational way but in the guise, under the guise of education. Well, I I think...
1: Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. uh,
2: Then the advocate or the advocacy piece comes in. There there is that basic knowledge base.
1: So I think that you bring up a very important point. Uh, A role that I've tried to take on, or that I have taken on, is to educate families... Of course, I come from the long-term care space, and that's my focus primarily, and so my role is to educate families about what they're entitled to, what their rights are. There's a lot about residents' rights. and, and To advocate from the point of view of knowledge so first you have to have the knowledge otherwise you can just go ask questions but you don't know what's behind that knowledge what's behind those questions what's the foundation behind them then the questions are almost meaningless because you can get any answer and you don't know what sh- what you should be hearing or how to go beyond that that um, question. But I think you, you bring up a very important point and New and had mentioned something about this. What's the difference or where's the fine line between being aggressive and being assertive? Because you don't always get what you're looking for, what your desired result is with the wrong approach. Mm-hmm. So how would you address that issue, Anu?
3: Well, I think I mean aggressive speaks for itself. I mean, you know, when when you use uh, language, for example, inappropriate language, um, when you're when you're being I mean, you're only stalking people at the end of the day, you know. Um, and so you're right. I mean. Sometimes we, we want something desperately, but we don't always get the outcome that we we need. So I think um, being assertive is just um, being strong in what you believe in. And uh, I think it's all in the communication. I'm just trying to articulate it, you know. So, um, like I said, uh, using appropriate language. Um, um, I don't know how else to say it you know what I mean uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, but just, what
1: happens when you get very, when a person gets very frustrated when they're not getting the desired result yeah. of course people can always take it to the next step for instance, let's say in a long-term care facility, there are, there's an ombudsman. Those phone numbers are listed all over facilities if you need mm-hmm. to go outside yourself. So there's one thing about self-advocacy, advocating for yourself, and then there's advocating mm-hmm. for another person. But when do you step out and seek help from an advocate that's outside of the situation to
3: help you negotiate in the last two minutes that we have before our break? Yeah, so I think that when you're not getting the, the desired result, it's important to reflect on what, what's been done thus far and, and to take stock of the communication that's taken place. And then uh, if you're not getting the desired outcome, start evaluating that and then seeking out the appropriate resources or individuals who can help you take it to the next level.
1: So I suppose people would have to whether it's Google or asking friends or yes. or doing research on the computer they would have to look for an advocate or an organization that would help them based on whatever particular situation they were in. Absolutely, absolutely. Rubina, uh, you live in uh, California. Your your parents are in Canada. Mm-hmm. You find from your knowledge about Olive Community Services and helping um, older adults in your community advocate for the, the needs they have, do you see a difference between advocacy in California and what you have to advocate for in Canada, for your parents, in the last minute that we have before we go to our break? You know, I am not in the in
2: the area where right now in the seniors uh, uh, scape where a lot of advocacy is needed, but as Olive's programs grow, I will have much better opportunity. Uh, I will have much better opportunity. But in Canada, I'm quite impressed with some of the programs that they have. There is a seniors clinic uh, where, you know, a comprehensive needs of the seniors are, uh, are taken care of. But at this point, I am not able to compare the advocacy for seniors hmm. here versus advocacy for seniors in Canada because I've only done advocacy for seniors in, uh, in Canada, Canada. And <laughs> the people that I'm working with right. are the active older adults right now. And uh, I think as time goes, I'll have more information to share with you and more experiences.
1: Okay. Well, that sounds great. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll continue this conversation about advocacy, what it takes to be an advocate, and um, how do you become an advocate if you think you you need to be. Uh, We'll be back in a few moments.
0: Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Phyllis Amon, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phylliseldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of all of Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services.
3: Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle. The Voice America interactive radio player powered by Aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No
0: registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for your iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Powered
2: by
3: Aircast. Visit the Apple App Store Amazon or Google Play.
0: You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy.
2: Welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. This is Rubina Chaudhary with Phyllis Eamon and our guest Anupala. Um, welcome back ladies. In the last uh, segment, uh, Phyllis, you asked me how do I advocate for my parents who are in Canada and uh, of course I'm far away being in California. One of the ways, and I'd like to address that now, and one of that is trying to stay on top of their care. I am not there in person, so I don't get to see and experience. So I have to rely on telephone calls. Um, They have had conference calls for my dad's care after he broke his hip. I was able to get on a conference call. I was able to ask a friend to attend as well so that they knew that my dad had... uh, you know, support family and friends there, and uh, then I was on the telephone. And biggest, uh, biggest thing really is to just be a champion. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that could be
2: another word for advocate.
1: I was just going to say, what mm-hmm. a great word! When you said that, it really <coughs> resonated with me. Likewise,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I that's don't think a my, I word. haven't thought of myself
2: as an advocate. And even when we were talking about this show in the previous segment, I was saying, okay, you two are advocates, but I'm not an advocate. But I see that I, I am an advocate, but I usually use the word champion. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, uh, and I think that's the point. People don't see themselves as advocate or advocating. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and there
2: are, you know, many other stories that I could share where I have had to uh, to champion or to advocate for for care because the caregivers whether they're you know most of them are there to help but they have large workload and they tend to you know sometimes forget sometimes because of priorities mm. uh, and there's you know other thing that's coming to my mind is that you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. If, right. there's, if there's no yeah. questions asked, if there's no uh, nobody championing, you know, um, then uh, as far as they're concerned, everything is fine. And one great example of that was last time in, in December when I went for my dad's birthday party. And I was sitting there and two very nice ladies came And they were from uh, physical therapy. They come, hello, how are you? You know, very nice conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's time to go for a walk. Because, you know, he's trying to get his mobility after his hip surgery. Mm -hmm. And my dad, oh, no, I'm okay. It's okay. And they're about ready to go. back. I said, excuse me. She said, well, sometimes he wants to walk. Sometimes he doesn't want to walk. And I I took exception to that. And I said, no you have to make him walk because that is your mm. duty to convince him to walk that it is good for you uh, because my dad very is very accommodating to others right he doesn't want to bother people so his saying no i'm okay is not saying oh i don't need it or i don't want to do it um uh, so that that was i would say was a uh, Uh, a situation
1: of advocacy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you just said something that I think is really, really crucial. And this is what I tell people, and especially when I advocate for those who don't have someone to advocate for themselves or have no voice. So that's the role that I've taken on, right, for all of these people living Mm -hmm. in Mm long-term care, skilled nursing facilities. That's the role that I've taken on. But I what you just said is something I really address. What's the understanding the person and what's the message behind the words? Understanding who your father is so that Mm -hmm. they understand he's just an accommodating man and doesn't really want to trouble them. And that's why he's saying no, as opposed to saying, okay, some days he wants to and some days he doesn't. Yes, and, and Phyllis, I really admire
2: you for the role that you've taken and the passion that you have. And even in the the last short while that I've known you, and we've been talking about you know on this uh, on this platform on this uh, this show, that that you really you really go that extra mile because you shared the story with me about the the lady who was on a. Puree diet, but she was served scrambled eggs. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> don't go there. Don't go. There. I don't want. To. <laughs> you, and, and and another something very simple, you know that that you you went after having come and visited with Olive and spent the time with us. You went back and you recognized the person's name that he was coming from a certain ethnic background, right? And you ac- acknowledged the person, and you went back and looked at their chart to see that uh, that their needs were reflected, right? So, so what what I'm finding and feeling that very important here in advocacy and the foundation of advocacy is education. And that's where Anu has taken on a significant role that I'd like her to, uh, Anu, I'd like you to share with us, and that's the training that you're doing, uh, because that is so very, very much needed,
3: the inclusion yeah. uh, training. Please share that with us. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the whole arena of diversity and inclusion, or what they call accessibility and inclusion, is something that I'm very, very passionate about, because I... Based on my own experiences that I've had throughout my life, whether it's in the area of education or just social inclusion or whether it be in the workplace, um, even though there there is a lot of education being done, it just seems like it's not enough. And so I've taken on a very small role in my little world in terms of trying to educate people about the value of creating inclusion um, in their circles, whether it be in a professional level or personal level. And part of it is about removing those myths and stereotypes, whether it be for elders, whether it be um, for people with disabilities, whether it be for ethnic minorities, Um, we're all different, you know, each and every one of us are unique in our own ways, but together we bring something extremely special, you know, to the table. And so it's about removing those myths and stereotypes, those beliefs and, um, you know at acknowledging the strengths and the value that each person brings you know to the table so in my in my area it's more about um disabilities and women and of course now that I've stepped into the whole um, arena of uh, elder elders and elder care as well and um and I feel that I'm feel privileged that I can share my own experiences my own life journey and try to inspire people to think outside the box and and uh, really learn about how to create inclusion. And you're right, mm-hmm. absolutely. You're right about education. Education is a form of uh, that foundation of advocacy, and so that's the role I play uh, in that aspect. Um, and then the other part of the advocacy role that I play is uh, supporting uh, individuals, so just like uh, I would say two to three years ago, I was introduced to a young woman who had recently immigrated from India and she is a, a woman with vision loss she had low vision, so she had some level of vision. but you know how i mean it is challenging for any new immigrant to come and settle into a new country you don 't know anybody, and on top of that, you have a disability you're, you're edu- she's, she has a master's in counseling, so she was educated but still like learning the the, the ropes uh, to sort of speak and getting connected to resources. And uh, so I kind of was her mentor, you could say, and I helped her also advocate for herself in terms of, Asking for what she needs through mm-hmm. the different systems, and I'm really proud to say that she's actually working now. She's able to navigate the transit system independently. She's looking at moving out on her own now because up till now she had been living with her uh, own family family friends, and so and she feels really empowered. And so to me, that's like my whole life mission. That's my whole life goal is to empower people to to help them recognize their own power and um, Yeah, and it goes back to like that quality of life, living quality Uh of life. And
1: and I would say if people recognize their own power, uh, as I said earlier, then they will more naturally um, accept or take on situations to advocate for others, even if it's outside of their own family because like you you've recognized the importance of advocacy and what you've able to been able to accomplish for yourself and realize Mm -hmm. how many more people need that you were going to say something Rubina yes I want to go back to the education piece again
2: I know what are the names or titles of the workshops that you offer because we want our listeners to know uh, you know what a talented person you are, and uh, mm-hmm. I know at the end of the show we will share your contact information. But what are some of the subgroups of? We're talking generic education. Yeah. What are some of the sub subgroups, workshops, titles, etc.
3: Yeah, so um, basically, I'll just talk about the audiences that I I provide workshops to. So one is, for for example, assisted living facilities and long-term care facilities. I I can do, like, lunch and learns. I can do webinars on uh, how to support uh, their residents with vision loss. Uh, I also do workshops on assistive technology. So right now, there is um, a whole a lot of elders who uh, use technology like the iPhones and iPads and whatnot. So I teach people how to use those devices with the technology that's already built in, which is a screen reader called VoiceOver. Um, I also teach people how to use computers, uh, Windows-based computers, using a screen reader called, a program called JAWS. Uh, I also teach in the... uh, Professional work environments, whether it's corporate or nonprofits, just about workplace inclusion—how to how to create those inclusive environments in general. So those are a few examples of what I do. Um, of course, anything can be tailored according to my skill set, but those mm-hmm. are just a few examples. Well, thanks for asking. Do you, do people, oh,
2: I'm sorry, go ahead, Rubina, go ahead. How has this effort uh, of yours been accepted?
3: That's a very good question. Um, I think at the end of the day, people are interested in the topics that I offer and they value it. But I I still feel that disability is one of those things that a lot of people don't want to invest in. They invest in a lot of other types of uh training for staff, but I don't know um I'm not saying everyone is like that, but uh from my experience uh it's still like i said it's it's something that. Needs to still be addressed and and again advocated. (laughs) I need to advocate Mm. for for (laughs) this service more. (laughs) Maybe you could take one of your own
1: classes. I don't know. That's
3: true.
2: (laughs) You know, I know. know, Right now, this is where my entrepreneur hat comes in. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It could be a combination of both that that they don't know about you. Versus that they don't want this training. So possibly there's a a marketing or advocacy (laughs) component for your services as well. Uh, uh,
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And they need to be educated about the importance of all of of this before they can accept, like you say, it's almost, education precedes so many Areas. It's oh. even when we're young. Even when we're learning language, uh, before we learn to speak, wh- uh, what comes before we learn to speak is understanding or comprehension. As, as, uh, as somebody who studied uh, language development as part of speech and language impairments, <clears throat> you study language development, and you always learn that comprehension precedes production. What does that mean? Understanding comes before you can speak. So it's okay. the same with anything. Such a good point. The basis, mm-hmm. is, the basis is always education. Before you can do execute something, you have to understand it. Correct? So it it really Absolutely. is so uh, significant, Rubina, that you brought that up because that really is the piece. So if people really want to advocate in a certain area, what they really need to do is educate themselves about the information that is required to advocate for that. Otherwise, it's like empty barrels make the most noise. You know that expression? I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with that expression. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just talking.
3: Right? True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want got to have some substance... Right, and people
1: recognize that. And I I believe, in my experience, working in long-term care and with many families and being on both sides of it, um, that people respect people, not that they don't respect Mm -hmm. people, but when a person Mm -hmm. comes to them with the information, with the education piece, uh, they kind of, um, they pay a little more attention. That's been my experience. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh-huh. Anu, I have the next question for you.
1: Sure. And we have about asked, two minutes left, just
2: letting you know. Okay. okay. I, I asked you earlier about what has been your challenge, but now I'm going to ask you what has been your reward. You shared one story about the the lady or the girl yeah. you mentored. What have been some of the other rewarding uh, instances.
1: Yeah, about, well, maybe one, because we we want, yeah. want people to get your contact information in the last yeah. minute and a half we have left.
3: Yeah, well, basically, I mean, I think in general the reward is that when people acknowledge that uh, the work that I'm doing is valued and it's appreciated, and when they share the knowledge... Because knowledge uh-huh. is power, right? So right. That it's one thing to keep the information locked up into yourself, but when you share the knowledge, and when I learn that they have shared what I have shared with them, um, that's just one example of knowing that I have made an impact. Hmm. <coughs> so I can uh-huh. say that. But I did want to. I did want to. I just want to acknowledge actually things you were saying earlier as well, is that I agree with you one hundred percent on everything that you were saying earlier, and. Um, And this conversation is just the beginning. I think there's more conversations that need to be had about um, the whole topic of advocacy because it is an area that many of us do um, shy away from. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I think okay. you're right. So how would people reach you
1: and know if they wanted you to help them or to take advantage of their services or recommend you to somebody that they know who needs your services?
3: Sure. Well, absolutely. Anyone can uh, log on to my website, which is www.a-nuvision.ca, and, uh, or they can send me an email at info at a nuvision Well, that sounds terrific, and
1: uh, we're so thrilled that you were able to share not only your personal experience, but how you've use that experience to help and inspire so many others. So we're signing off today uh, for before our break, I should say, on voices for elder care advocacy, on the Voice America Empowerment channel. We'll return in a few moments to continue the discussion and um, hope you join us then. Starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world.
0: Phyllis Amon the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short term rehab, long term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phylliseldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of all of community services of 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amen and Robina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy.
1: Welcome back to Voices for Eldercare Advocacy. I'm here with Rabina Chaudhry, my co-host. Rabina, wasn't that a great conversation with Anu about advocacy? She's such a remarkable woman. Oh,
2: it certainly, certainly was. I learned from her each time I speak with her. And I know you and I are, are so grateful that she is working with us and supporting her, us and, and that we met her that she's a, you know, she's well, absolutely, of and a
1: of I met her through you, and I have to say in all honesty, I, I've never told this to her, but I'm inspired every time I speak with her. Um, oh, me too, me too. Something I, mm-hmm. I um, I'll just share a little a story I find so amazing. I've told this to many people. So when I was out in California to be the moderator of the panel for the Anu, uh, uh, the uh, Olivision luncheon, and mm-hmm. Anu and I both were guests of yours in your home. And the mm-hmm. day we were going to the uh, vision luncheon, a Anu uh, called me into the room where she was staying and she asked me to look at her eye makeup to make sure it was um, blended evenly on both eyes. I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this story, I hope right. anyway, okay. and I just looked at her eyes and could not figure out how she so perfectly blended this eyeshadow, I said to her, I think I need to take makeup lessons from you. How Uh did you do this? It was beautiful. It was perfect. I just found it so extraordinary. It was amazing to me.
2: It it truly is, and and I see her, you know, dressed and so coordinated and put together, and uh, and
1: uh, it it truly is uh, awesome. It's yeah, awesome. she really is really. amazing, and when I speak with her, uh, the way she speaks and presents herself, uh, as she writes so well, she really yeah. she really is remarkable, and she's um, an inspiration for she, sure. She really is i i I think that anybody who works with her would really be inspired, and I think it would be to their benefit and uh t- to experience having that uh interaction with her. Yeah, you know that's the other thing that we often get
2: training uh, and uh, and it's not always by the person who's impacted. And here is someone who has lived it, who's gone through it, and who's sharing real-life experiences. And we have had to do two workshops for, uh, uh, for Olive, Olivers on vision health. And uh, in, when we got the comment cards back from our Olive Vision luncheon, mm-hmm. there was a couple of the reference points referred to the lecture that she did. Mm. the workshop that she did so it's really leaving an impact not only on the content but also in her delivery and her uh, her presence mm. her presence yeah and, she really uh, is terrific she really is now my question now Phyllis, is how do we become advocates how how can we become advocates advocates right. and uh, we listed the uh, Five points, right? Five stages that are involved in becoming an advocate. First is identifying a need, or just being faced with the need, as it was in my
1: case. Right, um, and my parents right. and and their need. And and um, then I had mine. How was I led to it? Um, I don't know if the if. People were listening then, or or listeners remember. She shared with us again. Shared with us, right? Again. But yeah. my grandmother uh, was in a nursing home near my home when I was a teenager, and my experience at that time with the care or or lack of care at that time always stayed with me. It, it left an indelible mark in my heart my mind and in my heart and later on when I became a professional I found my, as a speech pathologist I found myself drawn to that space that skilled mm-hmm. nursing facility mm-hmm. space and then working in so many buildings and seeing the need for people who couldn't speak up for themselves or who weren't receiving the kind of care I thought was, was um, what mm-hmm. they should be receiving based on their mm-hmm. years and all of that that led me to become an advocate. So, so that's, a, that's, the, second, that's right. the second phase, that's developing a passion for something. Right. So it was, uh-huh. right, because yours was more based on your need from, well, it was based on your, your, advocating for your parents or the needs that they have and then you helped found Olive Community Services and your advocacy was an outgrowth of that. That was your passion which came from your parents. Mine, mm-hmm. But that was more of a need. Mine was based on experience from years past. Right. So that's those two, two stages are
2: interrelated. Right. Sometimes need... Turns into passion, and then you go on from there. Sometimes you're passionate about something, and then you find a need in an area, and then you you know advocate for that uh, uh, so it it can be either way right so And people can be oh,
1: well, I just wanted to interject for a moment if you don't mind. people could be passionate and become an advocate about anything. there. There are advocates That's for good. animal rights. There are advocates for so many different things, the environment. Like you say, if you, there's an area where you're passionate or an issue that you're passionate about, that could be the area that you decide to channel your advocacy. Mm-hmm.
2: And the next phase is uh, learning and educating yourself. Okay, you're concerned about something, uh, you're passionate about something, but now you have to know about it. Uh, for me, I was doing a lot of research about what were the different options that were available for my parents, and I was learning and walking at the same time, uh, while in your case, Phyllis, I think you actually chose a career field. Uh, that kept you in that uh, in that environment.
1: Correct. You know the expression, um, um, you don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Um, right. Uh-huh. I don't know if even, maybe I was led to become a speech pathologist uh, because like in the recesses of my mind, I knew that there was an area of need. I don't know if consciously I made that decision, but it was kind of in in the back of my mind because it was inside of me, um, and then that led mm-hmm. me in that direction to lead me to a nursing home. So you never know where it comes from, right? It could be something from that you're not even aware of.
2: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, the right opportunity has come to us at the right time. Correct. We just have to remain open. So just going through the steps and then we'll come back and have further discussion. So here you are, you've felt the need or had the passion and found the need and you've educated yourself. And I think the next step is to educate others. Right. Uh, the, the next step is educate others. And I think that's what you and I are quite involved in here. And, right. Uh, to me, this this platform of uh, of uh, Voice America Elder Care, uh, Voices for Elder Care advocacy. Its primary objective is educating others. Correct. And uh, and then the final stage comes advocacy speaking out. So, I guess we've gone to the uh, to the final stage <laughs> right. where and, we're and, and educating and speaking out and uh,
1: and writing and experience. all of that. Absolutely. Exactly absolutely yes. and in different and in different forums um right. i i have um i i've written two books as you know we've discussed i've i've written articles i'm thinking about a a third book um so it's not only speaking and educating others, but people can do it in, in writing also. They're a blog. Uh, I started a blog, and then I kind of took a little hiatus from it, and I just started it again, uh, to to get the word out in many different ways. You know, social media is a wonderful way. If you're social mm-hmm. media savvy, I know you and I are both a little challenged in that area. <laughs> I'm sorry to say I should be further along, but I, I'm 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 better than I was and Anu is actually helping us with that, which I think is another extraordinary thing. See that's that that's where we
2: recognize that we need help and we look for help and we right. we saw that potential in Anu and she is at at a backup host and our social media uh Campaign person.
1: person. <laughs> right. So yep, right. that's interesting. That's interesting that you say that because we also talked with a know about reaching out to other people who can help you when uh, you, let's say, you can't be as strong in your advocacy or you need help from another source. Um, so you and I actually fulfilled that step in in seeking out a new.
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. It, it,
1: you know what's what's
2: the other thing that's interesting is when we're talking about advocacy and how we came into being, is is how how the universe brings things into completion. Mm-hmm. There, here are three of us with complementary skill sets. Right. You're the industry expert. I'm the entrepreneur. I'm always seeing a business opportunity and everything. And you know. Anu is such a such a wonderful tech savvy you know writer, presenter, um, so speakers we will be able to speakers. hopefully we will be able to take this uh, uh, this uh, opportunity to use this tool well to serve the elders and uh, their families yeah.
1: Absolutely. i I wanted to say also, um, when we talked about um, when we talked about people uh, maybe being a little tentative about taking this step, do you think that you were tentative initially? Um, let's <laughs> say, let's say especially, yes, I was. Uh, you know, can you talk about that a little bit? Because you don't come across as as a businesswoman. You don't come across as somebody who's tentative, uh, certainly in not that aspect of, you know, what you're pursuing in life. And so people, you know, f- should know that they may feel tentative in one area and not be tentative in another. One doesn't necessarily carry over. Can you just address that a little bit? Uh, definitely, Phyllis. I think I know what you're
2: uh, talking about because I, I had sensitivities to the word advocacy. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to, right? Right. And and um, because I am conflict averse, I'm I'm very much a participative manager, and uh, I feel that we can do things together by communicating with each other versus confronting each other but for some reason the connotation that I had in my mind of advocacy was one of confrontation for whatever reason you know we all have connotations to the words that we hear right but uh, you were able to convince me that uh, that it's, uh, that advocacy is not confrontation that I I had to you know uh, better learn the the word and uh, its meaning and uh, how it's applied here it's really a voice. Uh, it's, it's interesting it's really that a you voice. just
1: said that because I had um, I wasn't really thinking that a hundred percent, but uh, you reminded me of that uh, when we first started this venture. When we first started this venture, that you were a little tentative about where where it would go, and it's funny that you just used the word voice, being that the name of the program is Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Um, and and I'm glad we chose that title um, uh-huh. because really that's what it is voices I was thinking more on a personal level where your parents were concerned were you initially tentative when you had to and I was going to say confront but I, I just uh, maybe that isn't the right word when you had to approach maybe that's the, the, that's the idea too you have to reframe how you're thinking about uh, what you're going to do so I like the way how you just put it you're more of a participative person so it's really not about confronting people but maybe approaching them with the problem and maybe if you use if you think of it more of as approaching you'll be less confrontational uh, you know
2: uh, but it reminds me of uh, a term that one of my clients used to define my approach it's inter- interesting because that's the, what comes to me. He said that I was not pushy, I was not aggressive, but I was pleasantly persistent. Oh, I like that. So, so that's so I'm I'm in that that kind of a frame. So I think that's probably why I had the sensitivity to the word advocacy mm. until I've gotten to, to know this. And uh, and now I know advocacy is not confrontational.
1: I'm sorry to say that people do not refer to me as pleasantly persistent. <laughs> um, okay,
2: <other> honesty,
1: <laughs> honesty counts here, okay? <laughs> uh, certainly not when I'm in that skilled nursing facility space, um, uh-huh. especially as a professional, I'm not saying I hit people over the head, but I am persistent. I am kind of relentless. I don't think they can think of it as pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it, well, but, but it,
2: what could you? What could you do? I'm thinking. I knew you were going to ask that think question. That they
1: think you're <laughs> persistent, you're pleasant. Maybe your cause will go further. Uh, you're 100% correct, and I knew you were going to ask me that question because we've learned each other's style a little bit, so I have to think about that, and uh, tomorrow when I go back to this um, facility where I'm just doing some overseeing, some consulting work to provide some suggestions, I'm going to think about that. Excellent, excellent. Think about how you can be
2: pleasantly persistent and see if it. Would add another dimension and another value uh, to to what you're trying to accomplish, which is very, very worthwhile. Very uh, worthwhile. I just
1: thought of something, and we only have about a minute left. But I had a situation today. Uh, where I was talking in this building with some of the challenges that are facing the staff in terms of not being able to complete certain work so maybe I kind of came upon something um, that that would work here in the last 30 seconds or so we have left I said well how could we bring those people into the conversation so they understand the importance of it so they it will become important to them and then it might be easier for them to accomplish that that task, so that maybe is a, that's it's about inclusion.
2: That is inclusion, and that is an excellent, excellent place for us to close this show, Phyllis. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be talking with you. And today it was even additional pleasure to have Anu with us. And once again, Anu can be reached at, also reached at Anu A N U at Olive dot Uh, That's O-L-I-V-E-C-S dot O-R-G. And this is Rubina Chaudhary and Phyllis Amon signing off from Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts Phyllis Amon and Rabina Chaudhry again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.